Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The gospel is good news. It is the best news ever proclaimed by angels or by man. And it is such good news because the bad news is so terrible. Today's gospel prevents a fact and its obvious corollary. Hell exists. That's a fact. And the corollary is you don't want to go there. And you don't want to be responsible for anyone going there. Okay? Think for a moment what hell is like. Jesus says it's a place where there worm does not die and the fire is never quenched. Now, if you look at that passage in the scripture, it's T-H-E-I-R. It's saying there's a different kind of worm down there and it never dies. It is constantly creeping and crawling and the heat never goes away. The fire is never quenched. Uh, it's almost impossible for us to imagine what hell is really like, the true nature of hell, because we cannot imagine a place where grace from God does not exist. It's like, remember Jerry Kramer, the last time he was here, he said the hardest thing to get an American to do is to imagine having nothing. We can't. We cannot imagine having nothing. And yet, they are ministering to people every day in the Middle East who have nothing. Well, hell is a place where there is nothing but God's judgment. We may live in a broken world now, but it is still filled with God's grace and his blessings. Try to imagine a place where nothing comforts you or relieves your pain, ever. Anything that now brings peace and comfort to your life is gone. Because nothing of God is there except his judgment. And God's judgment without his mercy is unbearable. And there is no possibility of the situation changing or ending. John Wesley, describing the experience of hell, wrote that hell offers no intermission and there is no end. Neither the pain of the body nor of the soul is any nearer an end than it was millions of ages ago. Hell is without God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. Hell is life under God's judgment alone. And this is what every one of us deserves. And without some divine intervention, this is what every one of us will receive. The idea that we can earn heaven by doing good works is so ingrained in our hearts and our minds that most of us, when thinking about the afterlife, will say something like, well, I think I've been pretty good. I think I'll go to heaven. And they're missing the point. Pretty good is not good enough. You see, God is perfect, and his heaven is perfect. And imperfect people don't belong there. Matter of fact, if a God allowed imperfect into heaven, then heaven would go from being a perfect place to being an imperfect place. And that wouldn't be heaven. I read about a youth minister who, in an attempt to describe perfection, presented his youth with a clean and clear glass of water, straight out of the faucet, not from Midland, but from, you know, <laughs> another place. 
And he asked them if they would be willing to drink it. And they all raised their hand and said, sure. Then he added from the nearby bathroom one drop of water from the toilet into the glass of water. This time no one was willing to drink from the glass. None of us is clean and clear without a spot of sin. None of us is deserving of heaven. I fear for the person who, like a friend of mine, when she was asked if they were concerned about whether or not she would go to heaven, said, I've lived a good life, and if God does not grant me heaven, then that's his problem, not mine. <laughs> but it is her problem, and it's going to be her problem for eternity. Even the saints whom we revere did not deserve heaven. The most sainted man I know, my grandfather Henry Smith, was a Baptist preacher here in Texas who literally poured out his life and his love for Jesus and the people in his congregations. And never did he say he was relying on what he did to earn his salvation. He would be the first to say that we cannot earn heaven. But he was a messenger of the gospel the good news. And his message was clear. We cannot earn heaven, but we can trust in the one who can save us from hell, Jesus Christ. He is the good news. And after all that time and every good work my grandfather did, he did all out of love and gratitude for what Jesus had done for him. You see, God doesn't want us to go to hell. His heart long for us, longs for us to be a part of his family that will be with him forever. Man was not created for hell. Hell was created for Satan and the rebellious angels. Man was created for heaven. And at the same time, God would not be a just God if he ignored the sins of man and there was no punishment. The Bible tells us, in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. So what does a loving and just God do? The only thing he can do. He becomes a man and takes our punishment for us. See, this cross on which Jesus died was waiting for you. It had your name on it. And you and I deserve to die on that cross. No question about it whatsoever. Our loving God saw that justice demanded we deserved eternal death separated from him. But out of his love, he came into this world to take what we deserve so that we could have eternal life with him and his family. Let's visit a well-known phrase, John 3.16 it's hard for me to think about John 3.16 without seeing some guy in a clown wig at a football game. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then let's look at the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God did not need to send Jesus to condemn the world. It was already condemned by its own actions. The world didn't need a judge. God knew it needed a savior. And the world was given a savior in Jesus Christ. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have 
eternal life with our Heavenly Father. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, two things come to mind. First, it means to place my eternal fate in the hands of Jesus. I will no longer try to be good enough. I will no longer try to get God to love me. I will no longer hope that I deserve to have eternal life with God. Instead, I will fall into the hands of Jesus. Just like diving into the ocean and being covered by its waters, I will dive into Jesus Christ and cover myself in him. You see, Jesus is the only human who has ever lived who deserves to be in heaven, who deserves eternal life with God. So if I am in Jesus and he is in me, then I receive what he deserves. Paul describes this beautiful mystery of being in Christ in Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this brings us to the second aspect of believing in him that comes to mind. Now that I am trusting in Christ for my salvation and am not worried about going to hell, I am free to live my life for his glory. After what he has done for me, it's the least I can do. I wake up every day with a heart full of thanksgiving and love for what Jesus has done for me. Thanks to Jesus, I am not going to get what I deserve, which is eternity in hell. And I live every day in gratitude to Jesus. Do I do it perfectly? <laughs> you bet your life I don't. But I give it my best because I love Jesus. And I know when I fall short and ask him to forgive me, he does. Remember, the Bible tells us that God looks at the heart. If in your heart you love and trust Jesus, the Heavenly Father sees your love and not your mistakes. Our Heavenly Father knows the difference between evil and messing up. Okay? It's the difference of the heart that either lives toward Jesus or turns away from him. Archbishop Fulton Sheen put it this way, the nearer Christ comes to a heart, the more it becomes conscious of its guilt. It will then either ask for his mercy and find peace, or else it will turn against him because it is not yet ready to give up its sinfulness. Thus, he will separate the good from the bad, the wheat from the chaff. And here's the last sentence of this quote. Man's reaction to Jesus will be the test. And this is what makes all the difference. Loving Jesus, not perfectly, but willingly. You know, there are going to be people in heaven who we never thought would be there because they loved Jesus. Not perfectly, but willingly. And there are going to be people not in heaven who we thought for sure would be there because they were just going through the motions. There's a story about two brothers. One who... Uh, 
was really an excellent churchman. I mean, he was on the vestry. He sang in the choir. He tithed. He ran every stewardship campaign. I mean, he was always there. But boy, if you mention Jesus, he was like, I don't need that stuff. Now, the other brother, he wasn't too sure about everything related to God, but he did love truth. And he would do anything to find truth. And when he found it, he would just turn his life over to that truth and live for it. And as he grew in life, the truth became more and more profound. Well, one day they both died. And the brother who had been this great churchman his whole life stood before Christ and said, oh, hell. And he was right. <laughs> and the other one stood before Christ and said, oh, my God. And he was right, too. James tells us today, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Brothers and sisters, do you love Jesus and trust him? Has he set you free from worrying about eternity? I hope that is true for you. If it's not... Know that you can live the rest of your life in confidence that your destiny is with Jesus and with his Father in heaven. And if you truly believe in him, you will not perish, but will enjoy eternal life in his family. It begins with a decision, and then it continues for the rest of your earthly life. Living for him in his kingdom. And helping to increase his kingdom on earth that is in heaven. But don't try to do that before you give your life to him. Are you just working? Only do it when you're celebrating what Jesus has done for you. I encourage you to decide today to receive the incredible gift of salvation that Jesus offers you. Turn to Jesus. Repent of your sins and ask him to live in you as your Lord and Savior. Then live your life by faith in the one who loved you and gave himself for you so that you can be free and live for him. And as you grow in love with Jesus, your heart's going to expand. And you're going to know peace and joy that can only come from God. And you will want to, you will long to, Share this wonderful good news with others. So I want to close with this message with one final thing that Fulton Sheen said. He said, each and every one of us at the end of the journey of life will come to face to face with either one or the other of two faces. And one of them, either the merciful face of Christ or the miserable face of the Satan, will say, mine mine. May we be Christ's. Brothers and sisters, may we all be Christ's. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. 
For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.